0: Welcome to the GKW Good Karma Wrestling year-in-review show. We've got a lot of different interviews we're going to look back on that we had throughout the course of the year. Of course, last week celebrating our 100th anniversary, our 100th episode. Uh, So excited about that. And when we return next week in the new year, we'll also be getting ready and breaking down World's End, the latest pay-per-view from AEW. I'm Gabe Neitzel from ESPN Milwaukee. With me, as always, from ESPN West Palm, Brian Rowitz. And from ESPN 1000 in Chicago, he is Jonathan Hood, Um, We had much debate trying to figure out which ones to narrow it down to. Year two of GKW. uh, Last year, we may have played just a bunch of, you know, all the ones that we did. A lot of great guests that we had throughout the course of the year in year two. And, of course, where we started in year two was with the great Ric Flair. This was a little bit after WrestleMania. He had a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to share on the state of professional wrestling. we are excited here on Good Karma Wrestling at GKw to welcome in one of the greatest to ever do it the 16time world champion who's going to be visiting some Florida dispensaries with Rick Flair drip of course we're talking about the nature boy Rick flair rick thank you so much for uh for the time I and mean, we could talk about uh, let's go ahead rick flair drip like where how did this start and, and you're going to be visiting some dispensaries uh if you happen to be in florida over the next couple of weeks correct i
1: actually drop you on thursday and friday of next week so um i'll be in jacksonville and orlando and what about i'm going to miami monday um for a cannabis related uh, opportunity as well
0: what about this made you excited and you wanted to jump into it?
1: Uh, I think Chad Bronstein, the the, the, the who is I report to directly. But actually, he's um, I don't know. I I, I I get confused as to who's the, who the CEO is and who's the boss. <laughs> um, but I work directly for Chad and Adam and uh, Aristotle, three of them, and uh, they just. Uh, Chad approached when we keep boats next to each other here at the Marriott, and and asked me, and I, I had been approached probably three or four other times during the over over the last guys maybe five or six years, and I just didn't think that um, I didn't realize how socially acceptable it is, um, and I definitely forgotten how popular it is. <laughs> that I mean, it is very popular. My God. And, 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 and on top of that, it's, it's very lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best thing it's ever it is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my entire career. So well, sort
2: of along those lines.
1: from a competitive that. standpoint.
2: How do you find yourself sort of pushing yourself to make sure you're the best at this? You've been the best at so many things. How much do you find yourself wanting to be the best at this now?
1: Well, I just well, I, I I I think the. Um, of given the opportunity I've, I've always tried to be the best of whatever I, whatever endeavor I you know, put myself in and uh I think the packaging and uh um, the fact that I can use my trademarks things sayings like woo and all that um the edibles will be called woo Chews, and uh just the, just the whole pr- presentation I think is um spectacular and of course they're they're responsible for all of it, but I am, I'm really taken back by how well it's doing.
0: So uh, with WrestleMania weekend, you got to be there on the Friday because you were inducting the Great Muta into the WWE yes. Hall of Fame. What did that mean to you to be able to to come back and, and be able to induct someone like the Great Muta?
1: Well, it's my eighth time there, so that's, that's, I think it's fantastic. I was I was very excited that they invited me Um I have been uh I've been inducted twice myself and uh I've inducted Harley Race, Roddy Piper, Sting, Steamboat, Muda, and then myself twice. So I uh, I don't know I've not, but I've been inducted twice. So I think it's a great honor and it's almost I think almost as recognizable as the fact of it's not compared to my world championships, but it's it's I I think of the the Hall of Fame as a great honor.
2: Speaking of WrestleMania, you know, a commonplace in wrestling, you have a big show, and at the end of it, the name you're talking about stealing the show is a flair. Charlotte Flair and Rio, one of the matches of the weekend. How proud did that make you watching this weekend?
1: It was the best match of the weekend. I'm not (laughs) going to You're not going to get me to budge on that. We agree. Don't worry. I was I was extremely proud of her. My gosh, who wouldn't be? Did you guys see it?
2: Oh, it was yeah. spectacular. It was spectacular. We all said right? it was our match of the weekend as well. So you're yeah, you're that, not that, alone there. Yeah, that that German,
1: that German off the second rope where she oh. rotated. Come on.
2: What? <laughs> You you
0: you mentioned you know in terms of being in the Hall of Fame at your World Championships, where where does her career rank? Because every time she's in WrestleMania, Rick, she's in like the women's main event picture. She's actually main evented a couple of times, and she's always in the title picture every year when WrestleMania comes around.
1: Because that's how good she is. It just speaks volumes for how good she is. there's no other way to put it. And she gets better. She's better now than she was two years ago, and she just keeps getting better. She's driven to be to be in a league of her own, and she is. Ricky, you know, it was interesting that, that the, the opportunity, the the, the, the the a little bit of advantage she has that she's wrestled, um, you know, uh, so many of the girls that aren't there now that have come and gone, and. Uh, you pick up a little bit from everybody you learn along the way that has something to offer. That's what makes you better. And then you, she sits back and thinks about what she can do that nobody else can do, and she doesn't. I, no, I never thought she would try that German. If she was five foot four, I could see it all day long. But at 5'10, that's a huge bump.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you can land on your head and break your neck, and just as easily these ladies can land frontwards. So every time she does stuff like that, I think it's like the first time she did the corkscrew moonsault. She just separated herself from what else, keeping in keeping in mind again that she's five ten and one hundred and fifty pounds. Those things are performed a lot harder, are a lot harder to perform when you're when you're five five and one hundred and five pounds or ten pounds. What which is taking nothing away from the smaller girls, it just makes her. It just shows up what a superb athlete she is.
4: How's she doing now, Rick? Uh, how much time is she going to take away from the ring after WrestleMania? I don't know.
1: I I, tell you, I, and I think it's important that she she takes her private life very, very seriously. When she's away, I mean, we, we you know we just talk, but I don't ask her questions about her private life. You know, it, it's, we need a break sometimes from wrestling. Um, <laughs> we do talk about wrestling, you know, when, when something big is coming up, but. Her private life is her private life. I mean, I know where they're going. I'm just not gonna I know where they are, and what they're doing. I'm just not gonna discuss it. And we don't we don't we just don't talk about business anymore. I mean, we do enough of that and our relationship is so special. Um you know we we we've 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 gotten around that. We used to talk about it all the time, but she's so good now, she doesn't need any any advice from me.
2: The other big part of WrestleMania, Cody Rhodes, finishing the job. What does the Rhodes family mean to the Flair family?
1: Well, I'll give you an example of what I was going to say, you know, in, in reference to the the tag match going on last, as opposed to Charlotte and Rhea. If factions were more important than than singles title championships, I know the titles were involved both ways, but in my entire career no tag match went on as when I was world champion after me and that's what I meant by tradition. I didn't mean they broke it that that was a comment made I'm talking about tradition in my career and um but if that were the case if storylines and and uh, um um, storylines are more important than the value of putting a traditional like Cody won the men's Royal Rumble. he wrestles Roman Rhea worked just as hard if not harder to win the women's and then she's in the semi-main event so I, I don't agree with that because if storylines were the best then anybody that Dusty Rhodes was in the ring with uh, uh, against the horsemen Dusty and Sting against the Horsemen. Dusty and Nikita against the Horsemen. Dusty and Nikita. Dusty and the Road Warriors. I, I, that, then that would have gone on. That would have gone on before me. It never did, because there was no greater faction, no greater storyline, than the roads and the flares and the, and the Horsemen. That, that's where I'm. That's what that comment's coming from. Gotcha. If a storyline means more than the belt. In a single championship match. See, they don't talk about, they, they, they mentioned how many times somebody won the world tag team titles, but it doesn't carry the same weight as John Cena or Ric Flair. Now, Charlotte's 14. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm very confident she'll break our record.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- very, very possible as well. Um, speaking of factions, I mean, it seemed like for a while, factions didn't mean as much in professional wrestling, but now we see it more, whether it's AEW um, and, and the Blackpool Combat Club or the trios titles that they have over there. Obviously, the bloodline over the last, you know, two and a half years in yeah. in WWE. As someone who is in the most famous faction of all time in the Four Horsemen, do you like that factions are becoming more prevalent in today's professional wrestling?
1: Well, I like it from the standpoint that um, I mean, Ro- Roman's the flagship, so and I think Roman's phenomenal. I, I love the Usos. I mean, and I'm, I'm not talking about all, who could outwork anybody. I'm just talking about tradition. Okay, mm-hmm. the Usos are phenomenal workers. I love Kevin Owens. Sammy's good. Roman's a great, a great uh, flagship for our company, um, but I. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, I think the storylines like that, I like it because they're getting more people involved. And it's it's such a hard industry to get a break in. I mean, the the best thing they ever did with Dominique was put them together. And, and Dominique's got a ton of talent. <laughs> I mean he does, but, but turning him heel and that was was great. And I mean, you'd would have never expected that from him a year ago, correct? A hundred percent. No. I and mean, then look at him now, he's fabulous. As as is his dad.
4: Uh Rick, I tell Brian up here and Gabe a lot about the territory days, because that's how I grew up. Grew up in Chicago, so I'm a Vern Gagne guy, AWA guy.
1: Yeah. Uh,
4: I was always wondering if you didn't hang your hat in Charlotte and decide to be a Charlotte guy and a Jim Crockett guy. <laughs> would you would you have lived full time for Eddie Graham in Florida? Was that your second choice?
1: No. I, I would have. I never. I never even thought about it after leaving it. the Carolinas were it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Eddie had a nice territory, but the Carolinas were just starting to grow when I got there. And you know, by the time I left, we were about or by the time they sold the company, we were selling out Philadelphia, Baltimore, and uh, we got in that that lousy building. we not the Capitol Center, but we got when we got to DC, we were selling that out. So. And a couple of times we went to the Meadowlands. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was Crockett or WC Dead, but anyway, we, we did very well there. So um, I think if the, I've said it's a thousand nine, if the Crockets had stayed east of the Mississippi, we'd, we'd still be in business.
4: How, how was and, it like wrestling in Florida, it, though?
1: For it, you? Until until Turner, the, Turner, Turner was great all the way. I mean, the, uh, Super Channel was a great, you know, in a, in a reach a few people on the West Coast. But if it had been the strength that it is now, um, the cable the cable wasn't that strong back then. Um, so I'm just saying and during that time frame. But we were on there now because the collection of talent we had was every bit as good as Vince's, My God. Rock and roll, Midnight, I mean, Road Warriors, we, we had it all. And we had, Dusty, we had Dusty doing a brilliant job of booking.
2: You mentioned Vince. Obviously, WWE in the headlines this week—the merger with the UFC and Endeavor. What does it mean to you to see Vince McMahon sort of get this big moment and ultimately have a boss now for the first time in his life?
1: what well, that remains to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got, I got obviously off to hear that meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine he'd be pretty tough to boss around he may be he may have to negotiate but he's not going to get bossed around no chance you gotta be kidding me I, I love Dana and Dana's pretty tough too I understand I've never had to negotiate with her but visiting man been around a long time guys and he's, he's he's just a great guy, and I I just hope that they, you know, I don't I don't want to see the same thing, and I don't I don't think it can possibly. Vince is too smart for that, but I don't want to see the endeavor people um, take over wrestling. It's a, it's a different animal, you know. Where where Ted just hired all his friends to run WCW, and it just failed miserably. And then, you know, the other guy that ran the business like, like it was an ATM, and that's why they're not there today. It's not because of lack of talent. You just can't pay people that aren't worth what they think they are 10 times. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah? yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I mean I, we're talking to the DSPN. I cannot explain, I, I can understand how Ben Simmons is getting a paycheck. <laughs> how would it? They're getting a million dollars at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
0: mean,
1: no, no, not a million,
0: millions, millions. Yeah,
1: yes,
2: <laughs> lots of S's
1: there. Zion, I get because it's an, a legitimate injury. He's a, he's a big guy, Um mm-hmm. but Ben, I mean, I, I respect. I he was my favorite in college, but man, the pros have been rough for him. But he'll. Yeah. They always get paid. I wish I knew where the money came from. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, since we're talking sports, yeah, let's do it. LeBron James is still the best basketball player alive today. And if you don't think he is, how does a guy average thirty points a game at thirty-eight? Nine rebounds and eight assists. Or thirty-two, what's he averaging? Thirty-two a game? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's and he's not he's not the best anymore. (laughs) <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> He's so far better than everybody else It's unbelievable. And you know what else? Tomorrow, if you want to go in the NFL draft, you'd be, be the best tight end in football. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you so is, what do you have, 88 touchdowns in high school? <laughs>
0: yeah, but before he decided to stop playing and focus on basketball.
1: Yeah. <laughs> is,
0: is the NBA, is basketball the one, the sport you pay attention to the most then?
1: I love it during playoff season, yeah. I love the Lakers. I got I got to have a guy that I that I like, and I've, I've, i love Michael. I I Michael. He grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina. I met him when he was nineteen. So of course I love the Bulls, um, as everybody did. But I met LeBron when he was eighteen. He used to come out to the Richfield. Uh, it was, it had a big we we called the White Elephant in Cleveland. It was a, that old arena was like, kept, kept, kept in the middle of nowhere. With his friends and watch the matches, and then I've had an opportunity to meet him a couple other times. Phenomenal guy, but man, what an athlete! Holy Christ! You guys never see when he used to hold his own slam dunk contest when he'd throw the ball against.
4: Someone? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you think of the relationship with in the women? not want to
1: hurt anybody's feelings.
4: What do you think of the relationship in the in the women's game? How it's grown in college.
1: Uh, basketball, Reese and uh, Caitlin Clark. That's I love a, it. That's I love good. It. It's good heat,
4: isn't
1: it? The attitude. I love it. Yeah. You know, Caitlin started it though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She sure Is, did. Isn't I, it I, I
0: amazing know. though, about how much of those pro wrestling things make their way into, I mean, obviously everything that you've done, but now, I mean, John Cena and the, you can't see me, it's made its way into the women's basketball.
5: I know.
1: I know. Well, John's a big player, making a mistake. i I got a lot of time for John Cena. He's been very influential, and uh, you know, it, it was a—it's a big role to jump in John's shoes, and Roman has done a great job.
2: As a wrestling guy, how proud does it make you to see the Cena's, the Batista's, the Rocks of the world that go out there that sort of use wrestling as their jumping-off point, but are you know mega stars now? Yeah.
1: Well. I'm not surprised by any of that. Dave has always been very clever. I'm, I'm. That his new movie just came out this week, I think, right? Uh, another um, guardian thing. The mm-hmm. next one.
2: Yeah, Guardian just doing. they that like knock knocking the cabin that's out there. Yeah, he's not, all over
1: he's, the place. He has done such great stuff. I'm not surprised at all by that. Um, he's a very determined, really smart guy. He had a tough upbringing, so he's taken advantage of, of the things that have come his way, and he's done a great job with them. And uh, John, I mean, John just—he's Mr. Wonderful. And uh, what what John has been able to be successful at—he uh, is so committed and works so hard. Very very similar to Dwayne. You know, Dwayne's nonstop, one movie after another. I love it. And, he and would arguably be the biggest star in Hollywood, saying a lot.
0: So taking you know taking Charlotte out of it, who do you enjoy watching now? Who are some of the favorites that you have in professional wrestling that that you want to and enjoy when you kick back on the couch and and turn on professional wrestling? Who do you like watching?
1: Um, aside from Charlotte, well, I like watching all of them. I mean, I, um, I, it's part of my life. I. I, I think everybody that's up on the roster is, is is good, and I enjoy them all. I mean, I I, I can tell the ones that are comfortable in their role, and the ones that are trying to figure they're trying to figure their way around. Does that make sense?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But um, I like that faction with the Dominic. I like um, I love the Husos. I like the Bloodline. I don't know what they're gonna do with that. Don't keep if they keep going, but is, if it's as long as it's working. Stay with it, right? Yeah. And uh, oh, my! Well, one of my big-time favorites is Brock. I love Brock. <laughs> yeah, Brock, he's he, he just—he's he, a hell of an athlete, guys. I mean, Brock Lesnar is a world-class athlete and a badass.
0: Yeah. I think just to get that tattoo on your sternum, that just kind of tells him how big of a badass he is. I can't imagine getting that.
1: Brock Lesnar spells badass.
0: <laughs> Rick, not, he, not, he, not
4: only you he was a wrestler,
1: but also he, he's today's version of our Harley race. Wow. <laughs> and no one was tougher than Harley race. Yes. Yeah, you didn't want, you didn't want, you if you grabbed a hold of Harley race, you were going to lose an eye. You get a year missing a nose, <laughs> nose bitten off. You, you weren't getting out. You weren't getting out of there easy. <laughs> Rick, you got to give
4: us a Harley race story. I've heard you said a few. Can you give us one story of, with Harley in the locker room?
1: Okay. Do you remember Kurt Henning? Yes. Okay. So Kurt was just breaking into Minneapolis, and, and Larry's father sent him, or Vern sent him to Bob Geigel in Harley's territory and uh oh, this is this is the way I, i've got two great ones okay this is
6: <laughs>
1: so kurt heading i'm kurt now
7: hi mr race
6: what do you want to do for a finish tonight or what are we doing for a finish tonight
1: what's your finishing kid <laughs>
7: Drop it off a top rope.
1: I'll move.
7: <laughs> that's,
4: that's, that's
1: better one than that. This, 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 is, this is the best. So Triple H had just come into Atlanta, right? And Harley was managing Leon Vader there, right? Oh. And so now I'm a hunter again though. I said, Hunter, I said, Harley, this is um, Paul Levesque. He's going to be a part of the company now. Harley shook his hand and didn't stand up for anything. He? Who broke in, kid? Killer Kowalski. He's the shit. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, that's the best.
1: Hey, the rattlesnake thought he had me fooled as he stood two feet from me in my rocking chair on the porch, so I baited him with my right and with my left <laughs> Harley. <laughs> I love that. God. <laughs> hey, you don't want nothing to do with Harley Race. I'd say, Harley, let's go have a drink. I want to, I want to play pool. Here's another one. He'd go over to a bar like in Fort Worth. I can remember when I was yesterday. All the cowgirls, cowguys, right? 10 quarters on the table waiting to play, right? Mm-hmm. You cue off the wall. Everybody look at him. <laughs> Knock all the quarters off there <laughs> you go. I got the winner <laughs> problem. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, a couple of times there were several problems.
0: <laughs> a
8: couple of times there were several problems. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: <That's so> good. <sighs> uh, yeah, he loved. He was the world champion, boys. <laughs> he let everybody know what. <laughs> you, an snu football player talking about in a bad way one night <laughs> oh man
0: rick before we get you out of here we, we got to know you had rick flair's last match last yep. summer yes is, is that I, for I, sure
1: that's gonna be never. it that's gonna be <laughs> it yeah but i wish they could do it again <laughs> who's gonna say no to you who's stopping you Oh, it's just not realistic. I mean, but it, we we had that thing down to a fine art, but I woke up. I was I was fixated on weighing two eighteen, and so the night you know it's me right. I'm out drinking all night. I wake up and I weigh two twenty two, so I ate three egg white bites and a cup of coffee right all day long. So I did, and of course. You know, the anxiety, the emotion, da, da da da, everything right. So I walked out there and I felt great. And then all of a sudden I got lightheaded. So I made a mistake of saying to Jay, I don't, I don't feel good. But not, then, of course, there went like panic across the ring. Like it was my heart or something. It was nothing. I just got lightheaded. And um, <laughs> the best life, the best life the night is. <laughs> so after Manny jumped on um I jumped on top of um, Jeff or Jay, I can't remember. And then the brass knucks, right? And Manny, my son-in-law, was going. You have to wake up, sir. You have to wake up, sir. <laughs> 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 to put the knucks on my hand. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You have to wake up, sir. <laughs> like. Manny, you just slapped me and said, get up, you old bastard. <laughs> Manny, he, man, so polite. you have to wake up, sir.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Respect, uh, even in the ring. Respect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, God. Rick, I just want to thank, say, hey, thank hey, you so hey, much hey, for the hey, time, hey, man.
1: Hey, anytime I get to do something with my daughter and Annie, those are the highlights of my life right now.
0: Well, it it was certainly a highlight for plenty of people who got to tune into it. Uh, Thank you so much for the time. Best of luck diving into um, all the different cannabis stores you're going to be visiting in Florida with Ric Flair Drip. I'm sure, just like everything else, it's going to be one of the best.
1: Listen, you guys have a a happy Easter weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Harley. (laughs) Bye, guys.
9: All
0: right, thanks. Of course, love talking with Ric Flair, guys. Like that's, yeah, you get to talk to the Nature Boy. He's, <laughs> even even as he's like stared death in the face a couple of different times in the <laughs> last decade, he still has that energy. He's still got that little Nature Boy pep to his step, and I, I always love being able to catch up with him.
4: Yeah, he's got. He, he know that he still has that love for Harley Race, the late Harley Race, the former NWA champion. Yeah. Gave us some old stories of Harley race in the locker room. Uh, just great because his memory after all these years, he still remembered those locker room stories. It was just great to hear from the nature
2: boy. I, I think also we could have done another half hour with him on NBA talk. Like he was so into that <laughs> talking LeBron and stuff like that perked him up. Also <laughs> amazing.
0: Yeah. He was fantastic. Another interview we did not very long after that. Uh, it was a dual interview and the first couple of pro wrestling, Britt Baker, Adam Cole, they were a pleasure to sit down and talk all things AEW in the middle of April. Excited here on GKW to welcome in our next two guests, because not only are they stars in AEW, they are stars of the new AEW All Access show, which you can catch after Dynamite on Wednesday nights on TBS Please welcome in Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Adam Cole. So let's just start with the show. You guys are two of the you know more front-facing folks in AEW already. What was intriguing about, you know, kind of lifting up the curtain and letting fans into your lives even more with AEW All Access?
5: um i guess because it's something that i would love to watch as a professional wrestling fan that's something that i think would be super intriguing and and interesting and it's you always want to know what you're not supposed to know and in professional wrestling you're not supposed to know what goes on behind the scenes and i think that's really kind of the selling point for me is to be a part of something that fans are gonna are gonna find entertaining
2: yeah for sure Adam, for you, what was it like sort of diving into that? I feel like you sort of have reality TV experience with being the elite and going through all that. So what was it like jumping into this world now?
8: This was actually really scary for me. Um, so generally, for the most part, when it when it comes to my private life, I am pretty private. Um, so I, I was unsure if I wanted to do this even in the first place. But then when when this career-threatening injury happened, I was sitting back and thinking about all the support that I had from so many of the fans who had no clue what was going on with me. And and I felt like it was really important that I got to document and showcase that story to the fans who have been so supportive. So I'm I'm so glad that I did it. Uh, The the first few days, it was interesting always having a camera in your face uh, while at the same time wondering if I was ever gonna wrestle again. That was pretty challenging. But as time went on, I, again, this show captures the ups and the downs, and, and you're going to get to see the real me.
0: You got to cut that very impassioned promo when, when you did return, kind of announcing you know, this whole thing, that your match was going to take place right before the first ever AEW All-Access. And you did, you, know, you mentioned the fans and how supportive they were. How supportive was everybody in your inner circle, Britt included, to help you get through what was, as you've described, a very scary moment in your life?
8: Yeah, I I was going to say one of the biggest questions I get asked is what what did I learn the most from doing this show? And it it is the unbelievable support system that I have. Again, Britt was by my side every single step of the way. I I don't know if I would have gotten through it without her. And and on top of that, my family was so incredibly supportive. My friends, the the love and support that I had from that inner circle um, was was vital was absolutely vital. Because generally, I'm a pretty optimistic person, but this was a low point for me in my life. Wondering if the nine-year-old kid who had a dream of being a pro wrestler, wondering if that was over at 33 years old was a very tough pill to swallow. So without them, I don't know if I would have gotten through it. I'm so, so thankful.
2: Britt, on the flip side of that, what was that feeling like for you a couple weeks ago to see him in the ring actually getting to wrestle again?
5: I was terrified. I was watching was. I was watching in the back on the, one of the screens with the Young Bucks and we were kind of all just like holding our breath every time he hit the mat. Like, oh my gosh, is he is he going to be okay? Is he going to be okay? It, it's scary. It really is because when you remember professional wrestling is is inches away from something terrible happening, something going terribly wrong. And when, you know, with, with his injury, you just realize how precious it is and how precious life is and, and it puts everything into perspective. Yeah.
0: Adam, you you made your AEW debut the same night as Brian Danielson. Were you able to ever talk to him and kind of draw on similar experiences about trying to work your way back after suffering some pretty serious injuries?
8: I was, and and again, when I talk about the people who were incredibly helpful, Brian Danielson absolutely was was one of them. Again, considering what he went through, and on top of that, he reached out, uh, which I thought was so kind and so thoughtful of him uh, because he understood in a lot of ways what i was going through so yeah brian was incredibly resourceful and very very helpful to me in my recovery process
2: Britt, when it comes to this show you know i think it's giving people a peek behind the scenes that isn't just a character about you being a dentist you are a dentist (laughs) what is that like when you have someone come in and they recognize you like wait didn't i watch you on tv last night what are some of those experiences like for you in the uh, office
5: well it's never accidental they're never okay. like oh i i see you they know they know exactly what who i am and that's why they're coming in it's it's definitely probably the most challenging part of being a dentist for me because they don't they don't make classes or courses on how to handle being a, you know, a a famous wrestler in a dental office and having fans come to your office. And it's, it's hard. It really is hard because you want to, you want to respect the fans and I, and I appreciate them. I love them more than anything, but that's not what the dental office is for. The dental office is to treat patients and people that need, that need help and need care, not autographs.
0: Why is it so important to you to keep the practice? Because again, like being a professional wrestler is a full-time job as is having, you know, being a dentist. Why was it so important for you to have both of those things in your life?
5: Because I worked so hard to get to, to get to where I am in both. Careers and dental school is something. It, it took eight years to to be a dentist, and it, I put so much time and energy, and it was so hard for me to balance both training to be a wrestler and going to dental school. And just to to close the door on that, that would be it's something that I I'm not ready to do just because I I'm it's still new to me. It's I've only been a dentist for for a few years now, and it's it's not something that I'm sick of. I, I still love it, and and it just comes down to I, I put way too much into it.
2: Adam, for you, you don't have a dentist office for fans to visit you at, but what are some of the weirdest places you've had people hit you with a bay, bay when you're just walking around unexpectedly?
0: Oh,
2: oh
8: my man. goodness. I mean, the, the one that sticks out fresh in my mind is um, I was in an airport using the restroom um, and someone decided to yell it out uh, while I was in the bathroom. <laughs> no, uh, no. So yeah, I, I've had some, you know, some weird <laughs> locations before, but I, but I think in the bathroom has gotta be the weirdest. That's gotta be the weirdest. Uh,
0: there's there's come on people, there are rules. We're in a society. Like <laughs> let let the man do his thing and you know, like yeah. Whatever. He's walking around at the airport, hit him. But let's let's kind of keep that out out of the bathroom at this point. (laughs) Uh, Britt, you've been with AEW since the beginning. So now to add this show, what's it been like for you to see the company grow from one show in Dynamite to adding Rampage on Friday night to then adding this behind the scenes show and a stadium show that's coming up? What's it been like for you to see this company grow as quickly as it has?
5: Um, there's, there's a lot of pride and, I, and I'm I'm really proud to be a part of this and, and be part, like what I consider the foundation of this company because I was here from day one. I was on the first all-in when there was no AEW yet and it, and it kind of was the precursor to AEW and I signed with AEW before there was no TV deal yet and we didn't know if we were going to be in these these huge arenas. And now for the second all-in announcement to be at, at Wembley in the UK, that's so surreal to me. If you would have told me back in whatever year it was when the first all in was in Chicago that I was going to be doing a second all in in Wembley I would have told you you were out of your mind because it just it's something that you don't think is is a reality until it happens and then you think well of course it's reality that's that's why I signed up this is why I work so hard is for moments like this
2: so sort of along those lines do you ever step back and just sort of realize what you've accomplished as one of the pillars of this company that continues to grow when do you step back and be like oh yeah I have accomplished that
5: um, I don't think it's something cause we're never satisfied. We're never happy. We always want more. You always, you're always chasing the next thing. And, and I think that's, that's really the key to success is to be never satisfied. But on top of that, you do, you do have to give yourself a pat on the back when it's deserved. You, cause we're all our own harshest critic Absolutely. as is, but you need to, you need to be proud of yourself too.
0: So with the excitement around Wembley, I, it's hard to imagine them having a card without you two on it. What 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 are matches? What who who do you guys want to face inside a huge stadium, large crowd at Wembley Stadium later this year?
8: Well, well, what's exciting for me is there are so many guys that that I want to step into the ring with at AEW that I haven't had the chance to wrestle yet. And when I think about all these different possible matches, like a like a Sammy Guevara or a Darby Allen or even a Jungle Boy again, or or something like Jay White or something like Kenny Omega. Or maybe even something like MJF for the AEW World Championship. I don't know. I don't know. There, there's a lot of different possibilities, but I know whatever I'm involved in at Wembley, I want it to be special. And my God, I cannot wait for this show.
5: Same for me. I there's there's no one I wouldn't want yeah. to wrestle yeah. at Wembley, just to be a part of the show and part of the the whole process is it's so exciting.
0: Whose match Adam, is we- gonna steal the show? Whose match steals the show at Wembley? Is it yeah. is it gonna be you, Britt? Or is it gonna be you, Adam? Who's stealing the show?
5: Mine. Oh. For sure mine.
0: First, <laughs> <Hers>. Okay.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Adam, we've talked a lot to some AEW wrestlers on this show, and they always talk about the locker room and how they learn from the dirt seats, how well, apparently it's happening in the locker room. You work with a lot of your friends now on the positive side. What is your favorite part about the AEW locker room? Oh, absolutely.
8: Uh, The the camaraderie for sure. Uh, Again, uh, being able to, because for the longest time, when me and Brit first started dating, we were in like a long distance Mm -hmm. relationship. And then for years I worked for another company. So we would really barely see each other lots of times. So now to be able to travel with her, share a hotel room, pass her in the hallway, even if it's for 10 seconds is amazing. On top of that, again, I have so many of my friends there, Matt and Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega, Um, The the crew there is just unbelievable. These are guys that I've known for years and years and years of my life. So being able to see them again, spend time with them, laugh with them, it's wonderful. It's amazing.
0: Another big show for AEW is going to be Forbidden Door. And with New Japan, Britt, they're adding now women to their roster. How much hope is there that now we can see more women's matches as part of these Forbidden Door pay-per-views?
5: of course and that's all that's all the women's division wants is we want to be included in these huge these huge moments these huge shows these huge cards and there's there's no reason now that we shouldn't be and and won't be
2: from a wrestling standpoint what do you two learn from each other in terms of wrestling in the ring
5: Hmm.
2: um for me, I, I constantly feel like because me and Britt really
8: communicate a lot in mm-hmm. in regards to pro wrestling, whether it's um, pitching different ideas or different thoughts that we both have. Um, whether it's, I, I would like to think that I've helped teach Britt a lot, but I can also say that she's done the same for me. And in, even like one specific example is like presentation of what I wear to the ring. For years and years and years, I wore. Very similar kind of plain stuff. I, I still liked it, but still, that there was the stuff that Britt wears is so spectacular and and stands out so much that now as time has gone on, I'm starting to wear more intricate jackets and, and trunks and knee pads and things like that. So I think she's really helped my presentation quite a bit.
5: Yeah, and he uh, something that I think everybody in the professional wrestling world would say about him is he is he's just able to adjust to anything and just go with the flow and nothing throws him off his game. And that's something that it's, it's admirable. It really is. All
0: right. Before we get you out of here, what's been the career highlight in AEW? What's, what's the one that you're trying to chase and, and get that high back again?
4: I'll, I'll
8: tell you what, for me right off the bat, and it's, it's one that just happened. Um, being able to return to the ring after nine months, after months of thinking I was never going to wrestle again, be- being able to have that match uh, against Danny Garcia with the support of that audience to be able to hug uh, the love of my life in the middle of the ring afterwards and have confetti fall down. I mean, that was a fairy tale moment for me. I, I just, there- there's nothing I love more than pro wrestling. And when you think it's gone, it's very, very scary. So the fact that it's back now, I mean, my God could not be happier.
5: I, uh, mine's kind of tied. So when, when we went to Pittsburgh and I defended the title for the first time in Pittsburgh um, with the first time defending the title in front of my family, in front of my friends, it's in Pittsburgh, it's literally in the building directly beside the dental school that I spent four years at. That was so surreal because that's something that, that's what I worked so hard for in that in that exact building. So that was really cool and it was so special. And then also being the first ever women's main event for Dynamite, having the lights out match and just being a part of something that so many people were proud of. And so many people were talking about just, just having, having a moment where, you know, you're really making a difference in, in the history of professional wrestling and of women's wrestling. That's something you, you, you always want to chase. You want to be remembered.
0: Britt, Adam, thank you so much for the time. I feel like AEW's on a roll. Can't wait to see what you guys have in store on Wednesday nights, not just with Dynamite, but of course with AEW All Access, TBS, Wednesdays right after Dynamite as well. Thank you. Yeah, thank you both. Of course, Britt Baker, Adam Cole. I I really I'm hoping in 2024 we get more Britt Baker clearly I think we're going to get more Adam Cole once he gets healthy once again and and is able to recover from the broken foot but those two just such a big part of what AEW does
4: hey we might get a little Britt Baker at the end of the year on December 30th on Long Island takes the mask off it might be Britt Baker (laughs) under that (sighs) He might be the devil we'll find out but you're right In 2024, early, we're not going to see Adam Cole. Britt Baker's already complained, hey, I want some mic time. I want some time uh, in the ring. You know what, Broitz? I think we're going to see a lot of her in 2024 for sure.
2: Yeah, I think that's a couple you can literally build around. I think you can do stuff with them on cam together and, like, build that up. Like, it was fun to sit down with them because they both just seem genuinely nice people. Like everyone gets along with Adam Cole, as like the locker rooms combusting around him, he's just having the time of his life. So it was cool to sit down with both of them
0: again. And Britt Baker with the tweets of the year, talking about the miracle of him standing, since you know the reason he couldn't load the dishwasher at home is because he's not supposed to be standing for very long. Yeah, he's showing up at pay per views standing in the corner <laughs> or getting ready to fight in a world championship match. Um, another one from AEW that we enjoyed this year and. Again, big props to Miro for, we, we dealt with a lot of technical difficulties just to get him on. And oh. he sat there, he grinded his way through to get on and join us. And he was very reflective about his career and who he is as the redeemer. I know pro wrestling fans are excited to see him back on our televisions. Coming up this Saturday, live from the United Center in Chicago. He is none other than the former TNT champion. He is Miro. Miro, thank you so much for the time, man, and jumping on with us on GKW.
6: Of course. Thank you for having me. I love talking to you guys. Uh,
0: so the pro wrestling fans, I think, are excited to see you. How excited are you to be back inside a pro wrestling ring on Saturday?
6: Very excited. I've been aching for a long time. The Redeemer's been in the desert looking for answers. Maybe finding them, maybe not. we have yet to find out this Saturday. But I'm very excited to be around the wrestling community and, the you know, just the fans, man. I've never been to United Center, never wrestled there. And the uh, people in Chicago are unbelievable, so I'm really looking forward to it.
4: Miro, how difficult was it for you to have that time off? You know fans have been looking for you. They, they love you and your character. So what was that like just being off and being away?
6: Uh, it sucks. It sucks. Uh, you know, just like I said, looking for answers and not getting any, it's, it's, it's not a good place. And not just me, but just overall as a human being, when you have no answers. all these questions it just eats you inside and i had quite a long time to eat myself and even though i'm still 260 pounds i ate quite a bit uh but i'm aching i'm aching to come back and and to find out what's going on what's happening it's been a while what did you miss the most during your time away the fans always the fans always the fans that there's just nothing like the professional wrestling fans That that instant connection that you have with them as soon as you, not even walk out, as soon as the music hit, when you hear the shofar, you hear the people just rise in their roar, man. That's what I miss. I miss performing in front of them because they deserve the Redeemer and I and I deserve them. <laughs> I was able to get some Miro
4: and I get, was able to get them on East New York on CBS. And I saw you, and I've been watching that show ever since. By the way, because I'm thinking, ah, I'm not getting Miro on the ring, but I'm getting him as a recurring character. What? And then they shot you, man. They killed you. <laughs> 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 <And that's, laughs> spoiler man. alert, man. Wife, spoiler, spoiler alert, Jay Hood. Well, no, no, it's early enough. People, people <laughs> figured out. So I turned my wife I Go. They just killed Miro. She goes, "Who?" I go, "They just they killed my redeemer."
6: Yeah. So
4: like, so that what was that experience like working with Richard Kind in ES
6: in uh, East New York. It was great. It was so good. I just. It was such a great opportunity because it was such a big big show and it's it's a you know the pilot episode we got four million views or what, whatnot and all these uh, guys who've been acting forever you know just to give me the time of day to talk to them to pick their brains and you know all the producers the directors everybody was so great i just loved that experience but you know it wasn't that long but i just cherished every single moment and it got me to live in brooklyn you know, for a couple of weeks, which I previously hated New York, but being there for a couple of weeks, spending living there like a local Brooklyn will. well, uh, I really had good time. I really had fun times.
0: For those watching um, online, they can see it does say indeed Miro the Redeemer. So is that who we ex- can expect to see back on Saturday is the Redeemer or are there going to be tweaks to what the Redeemer is? Are those some of the answers maybe you found?
6: The answers that I've been looking for, I haven't found, but what I've done, what we've done in aw, it's it's, I would say it's the longest story story that we've had since the beginning, the the arc of the character. Like I said, we started with the gamer and then he had to snap. He had to you know destroy his best friend because he thought he was sabotaging him to finally peek further, further, finally to find God on his side and run with that. And then after that was done, you know, when the title got taken away, then I became from God's favorite champion to uh, God's forsaken champion. You know, it's always an arc. It's always an arc, but Redeemer is always there. And I don't think that anybody in the whole company can say about this continuous growth of a character like I have. But that's what I love about the professional wrestling. I love the storytelling. It's not just about two people in the ring swinging around i think i love the storytelling of the business and that's what I, I tend to do one once i come back as the redeemer
4: Mira, i think in all walks of life we have to have allies or mentors or people that are on your side who's some of your closest friends in the business that get you through the good and the bad
6: man <laughs> uh i would say shameless probably Seamus, he's a good, you know, he's a great friend of mine. He's like a brother. Um, We live together in Nashville. So, you know, I spend a lot of time with him whenever I can. If I can't see him, we always talk. Uh, But also this kid who just, Toa Leona, he just started recently uh, in AEW. He's a guy who was hungry, who came and asked me for for advice and for help. And uh, that was maybe a couple of years ago. And ever since, like, we've kind of been training together in the gym, in the ring. And I'm trying to show him, you know, share my experience with him. And he's become like a really, really, really good friend of mine as well as somebody that I can, you know, give some knowledge. If he wants to listen, then he does.
0: So now that Miro the Redeemer is coming back again Saturday, it's going to be a part of Collision on TNT. The new show AEW is launching. Who are some of the stories, you know, what, what are some of the stories you want to tell? Who are some of the people you want to tell stories with now that you're going to be back?
6: I, I really don't care. I don't have that pool. I just show up. I beat people, whatever they tell me. I, I write my promos. I deliver my promos. And everything else is up to him, to the man who sit on top of the chair. I don't have no... I'm not that guy that, oh, I want to work with this guy or with this guy or with that guy. No, man, just give me your best. I'll take them all. Um, with that being said, like I said, it's all about the story. It's not, it's not just about who you're fighting. It's about the story, how you get there. Let's get there in a way that people are going to be intrigued by it. And, and then and let's have a, a good match after. But I'm interested in the storytelling as well. Miro, um, you know, we haven't been able to talk to a lot of people
4: about how difficult it was to wrestle in during the pandemic. Uh, you made your debut in during that time in AEW. So, what was that like going through that? Again, very few fans or no fans, and you had to still be able to project and and put your character out there. What was that like for you?
6: Man, it was it was very interesting time um, because I have never wrestled in front of nobody since WWE developmental days. <laughs> you know, we had like fifty people in the audience, not getting, you know, and it was so weird because. When I got released from WWE, you know, we still had the twenty thousand, thirty thousand, fifty thousand people. I, Saudi Arabia, sixty thousand, and all that. So it was interesting, but but it's a challenge. It was a challenge for everybody, not just for me. But once you know who you are and know how to turn it on, it doesn't matter if it's one or one million people out there. You gotta you gotta be sure of who you are and not and not just fold under pressure because there's a lot of pressure where there's nobody there. You know, as professional wrestlers, we're used to get in the Eastern or, or whatever, but when there's nobody there, you just got to trust that what you're doing is good. And I always knew that my, my I was going to say a bad word, my stuff is the best, <laughs> so I have no doubt in myself. So therefore, personally, it did not bother me, even though I love the fans. Of course, we all wanted to see the fans, but hey, we went through it, and now we're back in the full arenas.
0: I understand maybe you, that this might be a tough question to answer, but what is it about the characters, whether it's been the gamer, whether it's been the redeemer? I just feel that fans have always been drawn to you. Is that what kind of allowed you to give some of that confidence that you were just talking about during the pandemic when no one's there? Because, again, I feel whatever character you've put out there has, has been attractive to fans and they've been drawn to it.
6: Oh, it's about committing. It's about committing to the character and not half-assing it. Because once you're half it, these people can tell right away. They'll truly out for it. And I've i always prided myself not with the greatest Dave Meltzer six-star matches and all that kind of like irrelevant stuff. I always pride myself with a crowd reaction and the connection, like you said, with the people. And that's always going to be my number one goal, to connect with the fans, give the reaction that I want to receive, and then go by that. And I know I'm the best at that because I don't just put my stuff together, just A, B, C, D, E, F, whatever it is. I want to be out there. I want to feel what these people want to see. And that's something that I learned from Cena, you know, just, it's not about the match. It's about who is out there, who's watching, what are you hearing? Is it low, is it high? That's the things that I learned, you know, wrestling John Cena, you know, 300 days, uh, which some of these people don't even have that many matches I've wrestled this man for years and years. And he's just one of my teachers and mentors. I can name all these other Hall of Famers that taught me. It's not just about the match; it's about the connection. So, uh, do you get a chance to pick your
4: music? And the reason why I ask is because last time you were in Chicagoland at the Sears Center, as soon as that first chord hits, people know it's you, and people just then the people just stood up and they applauded and they cheered. What's that? What's that process like with the music? Well, I had
6: that. Sorry, somebody's ringing. <laughs> um uh i had the vision man once the character was coming together the redeemer and i knew because the redeemer is who i am it's not just a fake character i believe in jesus i believe in god i think he brought me everything i have so it's my duty to serve him and show the people that god is real and once everything was starting to come together you know the i'm the best i'm the best man music did not work you know, it worked for the previous guy but not now and i had a vision for this this new song and i got together uh with the music department and i i knew what i wanted i knew i wanted the show far to start i wanted some some drums i wanted some battle rhythms i wanted all that i wanted to feel that we're going to war with god on our side and that's how everything came together we he sent me one thing i said no let's switch this with this and this with this and we started like cutting it down and narrowing it down and what you hear now it's the final process the final product and I, I love my music, man. You know, before, I loved my Rusev, Rusev music when I first started. But this is on a whole other level. I think it's, it, it suits me so well. And we've put in work, you know, not just me, but the music department as well. And, and I thought it came out brilliantly.
0: What are some of the other... You, you mentioned how much you love the storytelling aspect of what you do. What are some of the stories from the past... Um, that maybe you've drawn from to, to try to apply to modern-day professional wrestling?
6: I don't I don't draw from the past stories, you know, what happened in the past ain't the past. Like, like people saying, oh, you should do the, the Rusev Day thing or the Miro Day. It's like, no, I don't – as much as that worked, it was great for that time. But I don't like doing the, the same gig twice. And and we had – yeah, as far as stories, it's all about just searching within, within yourself and – it's not just even stories in wrestling. You can get stories from movies, from animation, from whatever it is. You can get stories. And it's not just the, the story just by itself. It's just you have to take, you know, what is the good guy's motif? What is the bad guy? What is the what is in-between? What is, the, what is the, all these details? That's what I like telling. It's, I like getting nothing and building it and just creating something and letting it unfold. And once you see that people love it too, it's like, man, like you have some kind of a verification. And that's why I was so excited about storytelling. I wrote a movie as well based on kind of a wrestling situation. It's just because when you have that creativity, you just want to lay it out somewhere. What is going to be in the ring, in the paper, in the ring, in the music, whatever it is. When you're creative, you have to be, you have to stay creative. You have to get these juices, keep flowing and flowing because otherwise you get dumb. (laughs)
4: that's true remember that Gabe you get dumb if you don't move around and you don't do stuff right you gotta be creative
6: you gotta gotta keep that brain circling now I'm I'm signed up for these brain classes you know just to keep developing my brain and and I don't want to get no Alzheimer's and I don't want to get all these things I want to get smarter I want to keep expanding my my brain and expanding my capacity you know creating these new neurons and all that kind of stuff and uh, it's all exciting process
4: how Wait, what's that course like, That those brain classes? What was that detail? Where, how do you take a brain class? Man,
6: So back in the day when we shot Toro Divas, we went right. to this place. It was called, uh, what was it called? I forgot. But anyways, we did the test, like a baseline. Short-term memory, long-term memory, uh, logistics, blah, blah, everything and anything. And then they give you the result. And I was bottom on everything. I was like, Man. <laughs> this is not good (laughs) and but that was a few years ago and i kind of you know you're busy we travel but now that i have a little more time i'll say hey maybe i should revisit that and i signed up um and it's it's a private class it's a one-on-one on on zoom it's an hour and a half three days three days a week and you do these tasks these math equations these uh reaction time like these arrows that you gotta what's pointing where and what you gotta close your eyes to some things open and see what's happening close again and all of this is just to help like i said the short-term memory long-term memory uh speed reaction of your brain creativity and all that kind of stuff and there's probably 20 or 30 different exercises that we do on a weekly basis they were split like in 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 different amounts of time like math without using without using no paper you got to calculate everything in here there's like they say 25 plus 35 you got to give the answer then they give you a new number you got to remember the second one throw away the first one and then it goes and goes and goes and goes it's it's so many things man but i highly recommend it for people that they have and you know it's going to cost you a little bit of money but i feel like you know overall it's just i keep investing in myself could sheamus pass that class Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> That's not <accurate>, ourselves. <though. laughs> He's taking way more bumps than I have.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Miro, I, I feel like we have to ask for 15 minutes in because not only is it your big return coming up on Saturday, but CM Punk also returning to an AEW ring on Saturday. What is your relationship like? What has it been like with CM Punk?
6: I, I get along with him fine. I think every time we talk, I feel like we have a mutual respect. Um, yeah, so I've never had anything bad, like engage, engage with him, but you know, you, you, everybody hears a whole bunch of things, but man, everybody's, if you're not happy with something, you know, just do whatever you want to do and then go cry in your mansion, you know? It, like, I don't understand all the lashing out, but everybody's responsible for their own action. Like I said, I get along with him good. We've talked. We have great great interactions, even though we had two or three of them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't care. It's not. I look at myself. I don't look at other people's plate. That's what the Bible taught me. You know, don't look at other people's plates. Look at you, and you know, take care of yourself and everybody else. Just all you can do is just pray for them, and whatever happens, happens. So the the company is growing, as we know, because we're talking
4: about AEW Collision every Saturday now uh, on Warner Media. So it's Dynamite, it's Rampage, and now um, the show Collision. What do you think of the state of the company right now?
6: Well, it must be good. We have a third show. <laughs> <laughs> it must be really good because, like, I don't think the Warner Brothers would have given us a third show if we sucked. So I feel like there's a high demand on the show. Whether, you know, the ratings. Everybody's so crazy about his ratings, man. It's so annoying that it's unbelievable. But I guess today's game, it's about these numbers and ratings. But I guess we're doing well. They're giving us this Saturday show that it's live. And it's the first live Saturday show in 20-some years. So we must be doing something right. And I'm excited to be on it, to be honest. I would rather be on Collision than on Dynamite or or, or, uh, Rampage. Why is that? Because it's new, it's fresh. Mm -hmm. People want to see new and fresh. And I already been to uh, to uh, to Dynamite. I did what I had to do. I became champion there. I did it all. And now let's let's get the new thing, man. And if there's going to be like a roster, like dedicated to each side or whatnot, I think that's exciting as well. You know, I stay in my house. You stay in yours. And when the time is right, let's connect and freaking destroy some things.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> get behind that certainly uh, so yeah. it, just quickly then what do you I mean because again I, I feel like yes everybody you know kind of focuses on those ratings and even though I don't think anybody A if people knew how ratings were actually calculated they wouldn't care as much B like I, I don't know if people actually know what those numbers mean but what do you look like what does success look like to Miro the Redeemer in life yeah
6: yes. to be faithful to God to uh, to to, I would say, promote his name, to say that if you stay pure to your heart, you stay clean, your soul is clean, and you keep praying that anything is possible. If a kid from Bulgaria can come, stay illegally, made his way to to the biggest, grandest stage of them all, perform in front of 120,000 people, and it's all because of God, not because of what I've done. Without him, I would have nothing. And that's what I want people to realize, That there's help there's a higher there's a higher being higher help that he can he can help anybody but you have to ask Miro I certainly have enjoyed this conversation
0: going to be rooting for you can't wait to see a Saturday night collision at the United Center down in
6: Chicago yes sir see you all there
0: Miro, again, another player, another person that we're starting to see more and more of with the addition of Collision. It's it's such a big roster for AEW, some, pl- some people can get lost at times. Um, again, hopefully his wife, CJ Perry, able to recover as she's you know, dealing with um, some ER visits, as she was dealing with an infection, as they were kind of building towards an interesting storyline with the two of them, her being representative of Andrade El Idolo. So a lot of good things, I think, coming in the future for Miro, who always seems to be a fan favorite. People seem to perk up anytime he enters the arena.
4: It's the slowest of slow burns for Miro. He finally comes back, and he's trying to figure out his lot in life, Bruits, and his wife, CJ, is managing Andrade. And I'm thinking, okay, it's got to be more than just Andrade. It's got to be a tag team. It's got to be other people. This is a slow burn. I don't know how the finish is for this storyline. Boy, it's taking a very, very slow turn on Collision.
2: Yeah, I mean, it feels like a year ago, him and Hobbs, you know, getting that meat chant going in Chicago and having one of the matches of the night. And it's still just sort of, you know, stagnant. Like, he is a guy that should be in the world title picture, but they're still trying to figure it out, which is what AEW is right now. Somebody who was in the world title picture in both WWF and WCW
0: joined us in January. Medusa had a lot of great stories kind of looking back at her past right around the time the Royal Rumble was ready to kick off. Welcome back to another edition of GKW Good Karma Wrestling. I'm Gabe Nigel. He's Brian Rowitz along with Jonathan Hood. And we are very excited to talk to our next guest. She was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame back in 2015. Please welcome in. Also, by the way, two-time monster truck uh, champion. We definitely need to get into that at at some point in time. Please welcome Medusa to GKW. uh, Book coming out. End of March, you can pre-order it now at Amazon. The Woman Who Would Be King, the Medusa story. Uh, what let's just go ahead and start there. What, why did you decide that you wanted to write a book and, and share all the great stories you've got?
3: Oh my gosh. Why would it? I mean, that title could have been so many different titles. Chronicles <laughs> of the title in the trash, Chronicles of the Road story. Da-da-da-da-da. I mean, my goodness. However, I got a new, um, for your acronym, GKW, is that right? Yep. Uh Girls Kick Wide World. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It just came to my mind there. But anyway, yes. So how did this book come about? I mean, I have like 40 years of life and 20 years of monster trucks, 20 years of pro wrestling and so on. And I'm still active in it. So... Why wouldn't I write a book? Um, one, because of the uh, the circus of it all, let's say, um, no pun intended, but yes, um, there's just valuable things that I learned and there's a valuable uh, things that I've taken away and definitely still having fun. So I never dreamed about being a pro wrestler. I mean, I was just doing my thing and I was putting myself through nursing school and instead of mending bones, I found I was breaking them. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I took a train. It was a huge transition. Medusa, how tell us, how's life for
4: you right now? You know, you pop up everywhere, a lot of a- autograph shows, all of a sudden you're on Monday Night Raw. How's life for you right now in 2023?
3: Freaking awesome. Like ecstatic. Like when I just came on here and saw you guys, I'm like, I'm just. I'm a real happy person anyway. Now, don't get me wrong. There's things that kind of just, you know, irk me, but <laughs> you deal with it. You just kind of sit, you take it in, and I think about it, and, and I make my move. So, I, I'm I'm life is good. I mean, you have your everyday uh, situations or adversities in life and things that you're dealt, and you deal with them. But I think being in this business has really taught me how to do that in life very well. Now, I'm not going to say it's always been 100% great because uh, pro wrestling, more so than anything, has really, I mean, it really made me a jaded person for a while. So, um, in the past, of course. But, um, but I've overcome that. And Yeah, I love life right now. I, I really do.
2: For you, you mentioned that belt and appearing on Nitro, throwing that belt away, one of the iconic moments in pro wrestling. If someone told you that night that, you would be back on a WWE stage. You would be in the Hall of Fame. You'd be part of Raw celebrations. What What would your reaction have been back then?
3: So, if they would have said, "Look, just go ahead and throw the title in the trash," you're going to be back on anyway. Uh, I I probably still would have done it. You know, either way. But I knew that throwing the title in the trash, I didn't think it was going to end my relationship with WWE for all those years. I can promise you. I I promise you that. I didn't even think anything of that. Actually, I just thought. Well, you know, I have to give the title back to them and they haven't asked for it yet, which was kind of weird. And I mean, before they even let me go, they sent me a letter in the FedEx. And and, I mean, I was like, what are you doing? I'm getting ready to catch a plane to come work for you. And I get a FedEx in the mail. Right. But yeah, I just um, I don't know. It was just one of those things that started the Monday Night War. And those guys made money and I did it so they can thank me. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> so one of the reasons that you know I, you mentioned you know women's wrestling and, and you were very outspoken in the early 2000s about how you didn't like how things were becoming more or less just Braun pennies matches and they were going away from women's wrestling how do you think women are represented in the professional wrestling world
3: today well i mean that's a no-brainer i mean it's 10 times better thank god now there was a transition in women's wrestling that I didn't like because I like to wrestle. I didn't, I didn't go into pro wrestling to wrestle in my bra and panties. There's, there was other things you could do if you wanted to do that. Uh But so I had to either, either agree or go with it and say, Hey, you know, what are you doing? Have a few come to Jesus talks with myself and say, (laughs) either you're going to do it or you're not, or change, change what you don't like, you know, why be miserable? And so I did. And the women that chose to do what they did during that era, I mean, that was their choice. And I'm not it's not against the women per se. It's not against the individuals. It's unfortunate that a lot of them were forced into situations that were demeaning. It really was. And a lot of them will tell you that Um, at that time, if you were to ask them that, I don't think they would say it because it was their paycheck. Damn straight. None of them had legs to stand on. You know, none of the women were getting paid million dollar contracts like they are today a few women are getting paid and they do have a great life. Um, some of them do have million dollar contracts and they're, I mean, it's endless, the opportunities for women and it's about damn time. It's about damn time in a minute. okay, never right. Right. So it's just, so, um, and that's a good, good feeling. And, I'm telling you, it's um, the world is I mean, it's endless what the women and and not just women, men, men don't have uh, equal opportunity either. You know, it's just not about the women. No, they've come a long way and they're at a pat. You know, they're just they're at a point where um, it does need to get better. Still, what doesn't Right, Everything needs improvement, you know. Um, could you know? Could Monday Night Raw been different? More women, longer this, longer that. Oh, yeah, okay. But I'll tell you what, that was one of their highest rated shows, and it was a damn good show. Raw mm-hmm. Thirty.
4: Yeah, no question about it. Um, yeah. so I watched you in the AWA, and I saw you re- recently on Vice talk about your matchups against Sherry but I want to talk mm. about the word trust because you're a young wrestler at the time and you and Sherry were a major attraction for Vern in AWA. How, what was that trust factor like between you and Sherry knowing that Sherry tried to beat you up? What was that like?
3: There was no trust. She hated me. <laughs> <laughs> that bitch hated me. Are you kidding me? I was coming in on her territory and I was like, Oh, who's this girl with the with the slinky this and showing nylons and legs and wasn't wearing granny stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, it was so green. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't even know psychology. I didn't even know what a work was yet, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, boy, she was fit to be tied. I mean, we had some confrontations, but at the end, not at the end, but in, and later on, her and I became best friends all the way to the end to her funeral. Man. Oh, yeah. She was a brawler. She wasn't a great wrestler, but she was a damn brawler. And the best thing about Sherry, she, her psychology and timing was bar none the best. Like, she knew where to go, her spots and her, some of her promos. Lord have mercy. And Luna was good, too, when it came to timing mm. and her psychology. Luna, Luna was good at that, too. Very much so.
2: When you do look at the current state of women's wrestling in both companies, obviously, you know, there's two major companies now. Who are some of the women you wish you could step in the ring with? And, you know, one last match, say, all right, this is who I want to square off with.
3: Well, I mean, that's an often asked question. And when you think about it, and I would say the only, you know, <laughs> thing I say is I haven't had a retirement match yet. You know, they could have done something with me in 2015. They almost had me and Paige wrestle. We were going to start to do something, um, which no one really knows. Um, But yeah, but that never came to fruition. And that would have been great. Like, oh, my God, that would have been great. But um, yeah, I mean, we always see women from the Attitude Era forward. And I use that loudly and and pronunciate it and make it known but it's not towards anybody. It's not directed towards any individual. Let's get that straight there. Clickbait people. <laughs> and it just, you know, it's from the attitude era. Y'all can say what you want, but you don't see any of the women from myself back ever. I'm the only one really that they do anything with. And it's crazy. You have Wendy Richter. That was one of the biggest things ever for WrestleMania one and Cindy Lopper. Right. Yeah. What yeah. the hell? I mean, it's in, in, the, in, the, in the jumping bomb angels and the golden. I mean, good Lord. I mean, there's some amazing talent back there, but maybe it doesn't fit the narrative, you know, and what they want. Do you have a question there, sir? Uh,
4: yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes Lucy, I do. Uh, do, you have any plan- do you have any plans on Saturday? Like in around the Texas area? Do you have any plans?
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> this Saturday? If yeah. I did, I sure in the hell wouldn't tell you. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, you know, I will tell you, no, I wasn't asked to go to Rumble this year. So, no, I'm not in Rumble. And um, last, I get a call. So, when I did the NXT, the NXT stint there, with it was me and Nora and um, Sean, you know, for the table there. And I got asked back then to go to Monday Night Raw, right? 30. Raw 30. And then, like, three weeks before Raw, they said, oh, change of plans. I'm like, okay, no big deal. And then two days before Raw, hey, yep, you're back in. I'm like, what? I'm busy. Shit. I mean, shoot. I'm not <laughs> okay. busy. But you can go. Oh, okay. Whatever I'm you I'm busy. I'm busy. And I'm like, I'm gonna have to move. Oh, uh, okay. And I didn't even ask, you know. I'm just like, you know, I'll probably go out there and wave, you know, okay, whatever. So, um, and I I know my role. I'm a I'm a legend, and I'm, I'm, it's not about me, it's about the kids today, right? So I'm not I wasn't expecting much. But the thing is, is that um, it was interesting. It was. There was a lot of scuttle and a lot of people were upset. I shouldn't say a lot. A few people were. I mean, I was there. Why is anyone upset about that, that I didn't get any TV time? Maybe they should start pitching about that. Be concerned about the one legend that was there that didn't get any TV time, but all the other male legends did. Hello. Let's let's talk about that. Why is it all about the other crap? If, if, if they weren't there and that didn't happen, but at least one wom- woman was there to represent and didn't get TV time, shouldn't that be in cons- a concern if we're pushing women's narrative? Right?
0: Absolutely. Wait, is, there is there it's something is there something you would have liked to do other than you know, sit there and play poker?
3: Yeah, I don't even know how to play poker. I don't even know what the hell I was doing. Thank God. It was <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, I'm like, DDP, what kind of hand is this? What goes, you do? Shush, here comes, the, here comes the kid. I'm like, I don't know. Full house. Ah. <laughs> it's so good. And then we had Bradshaw coming up on the side. He goes, oh, my God, Deuce, you got the, you got the belt. I go, yeah. He goes, oh, is it good? I said, yeah. They said, go ahead. And I'm like, okay. So I threw the belt on the table. I'm like, I am going to use this everywhere because I am still the champ. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. There I'm is... just having fun, guys. What else yeah. do you do but have fun? Oh, exactly. yeah. pro wrestling is supposed
0: to be fun. You know, that's memories, what it's supposed to be. Yes.
3: Memories, having fun and camaraderie and just building. I just I had such a good time. And everyone is just running around with their Hold tight and I'm like my goodness why is everyone so uptight have a good time it is what it is you ain't gonna change it Eh." so you mentioned you mentioned earlier about
0: how you you know you didn't you you didn't grow up loving pro wrestling you're not even sure how did you get into pro wrestling then Like, how because so many of these people that go on they like oh we grew up we love watching this this and this and they they always knew they wanted to do it so how did you get into it and how did you learn it so quickly?
3: Well, I was from the best state ever. I think every it's in the water. You know how many great peoples and great people came from Minnesota? AWA. I mean, we had the Nick Bachwinkles, the Wahoo McDaniels, the Road Warriors, the Rick Blairs, the I mean, blah, 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 It goes on and on and on. It was something in the water, guys. Or since it was Minnesota, we were frozen half the year. So I mean, hey you <laughs> lived a good life. I'm in Wisconsin, um, I get it yeah okay cheesehead. head go vikings cole oh we suck this year oh. damn it wow. let me tell you it's so, so hard we. being a vikings fan oh my god we'll get into that hold on so <laughs> i get i um let me tell you oh this house during vikings time oh my god okay so um how why did i become a wrestler i i mean i don't know because this friend of mine was dating a Hollywood stunt coordinator, and he did all the um, stunt coordination for um, uh, uh, was it? Burt Reynolds and um, and Dar Robinson was the one doing the stunts for Dar, or Dar was doing for um, Burt Reynolds, and Kai Michelson um, coordinated all of those. So my girlfriend was dating him, and this from Minnesota, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then this guy just started staring at me, and I'm like, ooh, what a freak! My girlfriend's right here. This dude's probably trying to hit on me. What the hell? And finally, he just came up to me and said, you should be in the entertainment business. I'm like, oh, my God. Now I've heard everything. You're a creep. This is what I'm saying in my head. And I'm like, you know what? I could be a stunt woman. I'm the biggest jock there is. I'm a gymnast, track and field star, blah, blah, blah. I'm a gearhead. I ride Harleys. And um, he's like, no, I was thinking pro wrestler. And I was like, oh, my. Are you kidding me? Ew. Ew. Oh, no. And, uh, and then one thing led to another. Introduce me to Ed Shark, and then you're just going to have to read my book.
0: Oh, yes. oh that's a great, great. tease. Yeah. No, it
3: gets good. Let me tell you, there's over 300 pages in that damn book. And how do you put 20 years of wrestling, 20 years of monster trucks in one book you don't? So there's going to be others. <laughs> yeah.
4: Okay. The Woman Who Would Be King, available now on Amazon. Medusa is our guest here on Good Karma Wrestling. I want to circle back to something you were talking about. And it's funny that you say it because it was part of a promo with The Undertaker and L.A. Knight on that same show, Raw 30, where L.A. Knight said, hey, Undertaker, I heard you on the Joe Rogan podcast. You were talking about how the current locker room is, I don't know, tight or whatever. Did you notice the same when you were there as well? Like there was where it didn't seem like it was fun. It was very much business
3: um what do you mean it was a little more laid back and having fun
4: yeah was yeah it, what, what was it like what was the yes. it like? yes yeah. i'm
3: telling you us legends had a room by ourselves and when you put hulk hogan uh, jimmy hart ted dibiase the irs papa and taker and myself and rick flair in one room oh jeez, the lookout <laughs> it was yeah it was good we were just kicking back watching the show and um you know doing our part of course and um yeah. It was it was fun. It mm-hmm. was fun. You know, there's it definitely is a different era. You know, um it has become more corporate. Um it is business compared to you know, free fallen when I was there. And um, but it was like a small little version, and now it's like a football field version. So um there's just it has expanded. Just think of a tree and the roots, and that's how it is. It's just so many avenues, so many opportunities, and um it's i can see and feel that the kids feel the same way I did, you know you're scared you're nervous um you're you're worried about your spot, you know you got to do good, and you're always oh yeah, god, i don't miss that tension at all. Let me tell you, those ulcers oh, cry myself at sleep at night, forget it.
1: Let me see. Yeah.
2: You mentioned the book, including pro wrestling, including being you know a pro monster truck driver. You look at your Wikipedia page, pro monster truck drivers listed as number one, and you're also a professional wrestler. Which one do you identify as first?
3: Well, I'm a crazy bitch anyway. So okay. and I'm a gearhead. <laughs> Um, I mean, my grandmother, um, she's 100, and she just retired her Harley at 88, which I have out my garage because I'm restoring it. Guys, she's a blessing. She's amazing. She runs in, up and down the stairs. She reupholsters furniture still. She drives her truck. You know, like I said, she's from Minnesota, so she's half frozen, you know, half the year, dead half the year, comes alive. So, I mean, she's probably only 50. And um, I have her jeans. So, hopefully, that is it. So, I've got my Harleys out there. My husband has his. Um, yeah, I don't know. I am just, I am, I'm, I'm crazy. I get not crazy, crazy fun. What?
0: Well, how do you get into monster trucks? Like, I guess I got to follow up there. <laughs> I am. Okay. I, all
3: right. I will. Okay. Never, monster <laughs> trucks. So I told you the scenario, this is all in my book. Um, I told you the scenario where I just fed up with wrestling and I got a little win from some friends and, The intel that, you know, Vince may be buying WCW before anyone knew. And I'm like, that's it. I gave him my notice that I didn't want to. I'm out of here. Because if you were to take over, the name of Deuce and everything could have rolled over. And I sure the hell, you know, you ain't taking that. Nope. Been there, done that. Not going to do it. So um, around 99 in the late fall, I got a call from a guy named Mike Weber. He is the COO of Fight TV. Amazing guy. He's like, deuce, what are you doing? I'm like, Mike. Yeah. I go, where the hell are you? Where, what have you been doing? He goes, I work for this company called monster jam. I said, what's a, what's a monster. What's a jam. What are you doing? He goes, it's these trucks and they're big tires. And he goes, deuce, do you have a minute? I'm like, yeah. So he explained it to me. He goes, we need women. We don't have one woman driver. We don't have any women hardly in the audience. And I can't think of a better person to get in a monster truck and build this, you know, the whole. And I'm like, oh, my God. I said, I've never even seen one. I've never been in a monster, never been to a show. He goes, just let us fly you out and just test drive one with Dennis Anderson at Kill Devil Hills out there in Carolina. I'm like, oh, uh, OK. <laughs> I'm just always, OK, I'll try that, too. Yeah. So they flew me out and I met Dennis. What a in country boy, southern boy, let me tell you. Oh my God. And so they threw me out. Oh my God. (laughs) They flew me out there and I get out there and I didn't know what to expect. I had these jacked up tennis shoe thingies and tight freaking jeans and looking like, you know, good, like a wrestler, like I'm going on an interview. I wasn't planning on driving a damn truck. I didn't know what to bring. They didn't say anything. So here I am. They're like, try to suit her up. And I get in this truck and What a perfect marriage. One of my better marriages, except for now, is my best. But, yeah, me and monster trucks, hell yeah. Oh, my gosh. And let me tell you, when you got 1,800 horsepower underneath your butt, dude, it's insane. Insane. And it's loud and it's just, oh, powerful. Yes. And so I never trained. I never trained. I just test drove out there and I was a natural guys. There's a big story in my book about me first test driving. What happened? You're going to, Oh my God, you're going <laughs> to. And so, um, yeah. So, and I, I got hired on the spot. They're like, you're hired. I'm like, what? Oh God, I didn't come out here to get, I didn't know. So I got hired. And then a week or two weeks later, I was entertaining fans, 60,000 fans every, every weekend. For the rest of my twenty-year career, I never, 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 like trained. My training was in front of the people.
4: Uh, but yeah. I guess that's so much adrenaline. I was just wondering, from wrestling to monster trucks, what was the adrenaline rush for you? Is it better for wrestling or for monster trucks?
3: Well, both have both have their own, and to, you know they 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 ran the same kind of like a circus, but it was real and competitive monster trucks was wrestling was entertainment monster trucks were real. So when I I'm a very competitive person, I mean at everything I do and I'm not, and this is very hard to say. It's like whatever I try or do, I was good at like if it was air hockey with my husband, I beat his ass all the time. He hates it. I'm <laughs> an air hockey queen. I love air hockey. And um, it's just on right away. I'm in like competition mode. So knowing that, I mean, I was in, it was just natural. The, a, a woman is really quick off the light. It's her, her mechanism with that, her reflex is stuff is just really good when it comes to the green light and her foot stuff. And I don't know what that is, but it has shown that it is. Um, and I was really just quick off the light and good. And I just, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't scared. I had a little bit of fear, but not something that would ever hold me back. I just didn't, I didn't care.
2: The Mm. forward to the book written by Paul Heyman. What did that Paul mean to your career?
3: Oh, everything. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you Mm. if it wasn't for Paul. Believing me and and giving me that opportunity and the DA, the Dangerous Alliance, the most underrated fashion ever. Agreed. I mean, guys, I love it when he said on Raw 30, I was in the room popping when he mentioned DA and I'm like, yeah, Dangerous Alliance. Way to go, Paul! Oh, wait a minute—that's the third time he's mentioned something. Wait, what's up? What's coming up? Wait a minute—I gotta pay attention. What?
4: Yeah, that—that yeah. that, that did surprise me because you don't hear about that faction enough. No. So, so Larry Zabisco, Rick Rude, Bobby Eaton, Paul Heyman, you, Austin, uh, and Austin uh told it all everyone spins out in, is a star everyone in that group became was a star was already a star became a bigger star in wcw
3: oh everyone. my gosh that was a very talented group i mean it's kind of like the four horsemen you know what i mean it's just yeah. they were all great every i mean factions are good you know you had you know every single one had a great meaning and they had their and what they did and carried on and what i mean everyone was different actually I mean, we were like espionage.
0: this was <laughs> <laughs> espionage. Is that what you said? <laughs>
3: Like we were like double oh, O seven, and like you know, yeah. And then you had the four horsemen, and then you had DX was just a sloppy mess. You know, I mean, I'm on purpose. And then, and then, you know, uh, you just every action had their own little thing. Yes,
4: James Bond. If, esp- if espionage was in Atlanta, Georgia, I guess so. I get southern espionage.
3: <laughs> <I guess that's- laughs>
0: <laughs> yes Yeah. this was absolutely fantastic
4: it really oh, was to, to be able to talk to you Medusa thank someone, you someone to watch you in the AWA and to be able to talk to you bucket list for me and we're happy to be able to promote your book we want everybody from GKW yeah. that watches our oh. show from coast to coast to check out
2: your book again what was it bro it's just coming the up the woman works. who would be king go to Amazon right now get that order in like that Paul Heyman right in the forward awesome stuff from Medusa awesome.
3: Yeah, and thank you guys for having me. And I love my whole pool area here, yeah. which isn't real. I think I might dive what? into it when I'm done. <laughs> it's not real. I don't, Wait I don't a minute. Know. It's not real. My pool's not real? What? It's real. I don't understand. I thought I would try this green screen thing, guys. But been, I don't know why it's not working. Why does it look horrible? <laughs> no, it's great. We bought yeah. it. We thought it was a real pool. You bought it. Yeah, right. Okay. The entire
0: time,
4: yeah. <laughs> do see kayfabe even in Wait. interviews kayfabe please
3: <laughs> oh my god i just broke kayfabe so let me ask you guys something real quick before we go uh-huh. so the current product overall are you enjoying it of wwe
4: um, yes yeah.
3: yes for the uh, the bloodline, yes. the bloodline situation was the best ever. Like that thing yes. is amazing, right?
2: That is the best yes. storyline going. There's some other things they could uh, work on a little bit.
3: Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah.
2: It's 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 the best going right now. Me being from
4: Chicago, growing up watching the AWA, where you had you know five thousand squash matches, uh, one thousand great interviews, and one <laughs> and one angle a year from Burn. I'm yeah, totally, I'm totally cool with 2023 and wrestling because <laughs> TV wedding. matches are so
3: much better than it was
4: in yeah. 8990. That is for sure.
3: One angle a year. That's funny. It's true. Mm. <laughs> it's oh my true. god. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you very much. Thanks for having me. I don't know where the, the guy's like an apparition is like a ghost. Yeah,
2: Gabe, Gabe in. does his own thing.
3: Gabe, come on, Gabe. He pops in and out when he wants to. Come on, Gabers. What's going on? Because
2: yeah, he knew you were talking Vikings. He had enough at that point.
3: Wait, Vikings. Back to the Vikings. They, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, wait, please Kurt don't. Kirk Cousins. Kurt Cousins. I, you know, he's good. But uh, there was something missing. But let me tell you about JJ. JJ's a the man. He's,
0: yeah, and, and, until he goes up against Jair Alexander. Then he doesn't oh, make it. You know what? Just I, I'm catches. done. I'm
3: done. Bye. I'm out. Just listen, I'm going to throw cheese curds at you or whatever the hell. <laughs> oh, whatever. You guys kicked our ass, didn't you, the second time? We
0: did. Most certainly did. Gave everybody here false hope because then they lost to the Lions the very next week. I know. Make the I make like, I, like, I like the Lions saying, I'm out of the
4: playoffs. But you know what, Packers? <laughs> you're going down with us. You also yeah. the
3: playoffs. But
4: you're going Go
3: down on. with us. Yeah, that's the best line that's ever. That's interesting. Yeah. Love it. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. And um, I don't know. You guys gonna be out at WrestleCon? What are you guys doing? We're talking
2: about it. We're we're hoping to get out there.
3: Yes. Yeah. If you do, you might get one of those signed copies. Okay,
2: Ooh. okay. I oh. like that.
3: Ooh, you had to come and see. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. you.
8: Thank you. All
3: thank right. Thank you. Until next time.
0: Had a great time again talking with Medusa. She's and maybe I'm looking at this wrong, and I know she had a book that came out. Is she one of the most underrated, especially female superstars in, in wrestling history? Because I feel like every once in a while she gets forgotten about, especially when you know we start talking about some of the, the bigger stars from the 90s and Trish Stratus coming back and having her run. I feel like Medusa almost gets forgotten about um, from time to time.
4: Uh, maybe in the ring, but not in the posters I used to have on my wall of her. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something right now. She's one of my first crushes. I held that back in the conversation, but inside the eight-year-old in me was like, "Oh my God, she's a so lot," uh, because she was in the AWA. Again, very few women looked like her, bro. It's in that time in the '80s, the big hair, you know, the attractive, the look, and the athleticism that she had. But man, yeah, she. I think she is underrated. But boy, you know, you talk about a pinup, you talk about a poster. She was all about it back in the day.
2: I mean, Gabe mentioned Trish. I feel like we can give her one more run. That's what she said when we th- threw the dream match. Like, I, I haven't retired. Like, let her get one more run, one more big match into her.
0: Um, we also, so I've been with Good Brands for 21 years, and the closest I've probably come to getting fired is having this conversation with one of the biggest superstars in professional wrestling. Of course, I'm talking about L.A. Knight. Excited to bring in our next guest here on Good Karma Wrestling, GKW, because for my money, it's the loudest pop in all of professional wrestling right now. He is going to be participating in SummerSlam, which is available exclusively on Peacock coming, Peacock coming up on Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern. It is L.A. Nights. Thank you so much for the time, man.
7: Yeah, it is SummerSlam week. Uh, it's a big week rolling into Detroit. Uh, Ford Field. And uh, yeah, man, SummerSlam, it's going to be a big deal.
0: So let's take a step back as, as we kind of build this up towards SummerSlam for you. When, when you come up to SmackDown and Raw, you're doing so under the name. You get a new character name and it's Max Dupree. At what point did you realize, hey, I, I need to get back to what, you know, maybe something that's a little more me. I need to get back to L.A. Night. At what point did that happen for you?
7: Uh, look as far as that's concerned it's like you you come up and it's like well i I don't know who this person is i don't know what this thing is but i'll figure it out and i'll make it work if this is what i gotta do uh but once there was an opening to uh get back to something more me uh you 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 bet your keys to i was jumping on that and so uh here we are uh what only probably nine ten months later and uh what a ride it's already been and i feel like we're just getting started
4: you know i was we were talking about you a a few weeks ago and i said that the reason why that you resonate with the audience is because we've been watching you we've been we've been watching your entire career and so people thought hey this is the opportunity for la Knight to really be able to get to the mountaintop how different does it feel for you now in wwe versus where you've been over your years
7: well, I mean, now you're talking about the big stage. Uh, this is just a totally different playing field. And and you guys have been watching I me. Mean, you guys have known me. And, and there is a, a little pocket of the audience. It's the same way. But for a large swath of this audience, man, I'm, I'm fresh meat. I'm brand new to a lot of these people who've never, you know, knew any of the places that I was before this. So uh, that's kind of the cool thing. The fact that it's not only resonating with people who knew me before, but with the people who know now. And, and it's because... Uh, Look, I can't put my finger on it, but as far as I can tell, as far as I can guess, I'm just a little bit something different. Some people say it's a little bit something throwback, a little bit something new, all mixed together, and that's exactly what it is. And so if that's the case and that's grabbing people's attention, then hell yeah, let's keep
2: going. Gabe mentioned the sound of that pop when your music hits. When did you first start noticing, like, something's working here, something's catching on? When do you first remember feeling that?
7: uh march washington dc i remember it like it was yesterday uh it was uh drew and sheamus standing in the ring arguing about something and then all of a sudden that music hit and i was just like mm, okay that one uh, that one hit a little different than the other ones and it seemed to just continue week after week after that to build and build and now we are where we are now to where it's it's even at a, at a higher fever pitch um, so yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking at all the way back since March and then you get into WrestleMania and LA and it was crazy and it's just continued on and on.
0: So now you have this opportunity at SummerSlam going to be participating in that Slim Jim Battle Royal against SummerSlam exclusively on Peacock coming up on Saturday, 8 PM Eastern. What, what, what do you think has been the, the the toughest part for you on this build? Because the crowd's been loving you. You just haven't appeared on these premium live events and this is going to be a big opportunity now.
7: Sure. Uh, and, and I mean, some of that, look, the, the roster is so stacked and full and you want the you want the premium live events to stand out as something different than what you see on TV. So you don't want the exact same formula. So those spots on the prim, on the premium live events are limited. And so at some point, look, I, I, I'm I'm getting the big reactions. You can't deny that. But at the same time, I guess some people would say, well, we only been here nine or 10 months or whatever. But some of that's also just figuring out that a lot of this was unexpected. A lot of this came out of the blue. So uh, sometimes plans have to change, and and that's the way it goes. And so here we are. Now you're looking at me being an integral part of the SummerSlam coming in. We've got the Slim Jim Battle Royal. It's 20 guys in that ring. Uh, I don't know who anybody else is in that match except me and Sheamus at this point. So all bets are off when it comes to that. But uh, Ford Field, Battle Royal, you're looking for big things, and there just might be this guy's hand raised right there. Yeah.
4: <laughs> That's the hope. That's what we're, what we're banking on. I want to talk to you a little bit about a championship versus being over. Because as, as we told you here in the Open, we've seen you wrestle for a long time. In which If you didn't have a championship, you're usually the most interesting character, or one of the most interesting characters on a roster. How, what's, what's important to you? Is it, is it winning a championship or just being able to be in the mix being wanted?
7: well i i think that uh if you're in this and you don't want to be a champion then what are you doing here uh for me that that's that's the vote of confidence that that this is the guy uh but aside from that it's it's an achievement of hey man i, I made this whole thing work to where now i am the face i am the the, the top of this company i am the guy and uh so yeah I, i'm for me that's that's the pinnacle that's where you want to be
2: when you hear people compare you to The Rock and Austin and the reaction as a someone who's been in the game, how does that make you feel from a personal standpoint?
7: Well, whether it's a compliment or a criticism, look, I, I, I hear everything. I see everything. Uh, and, and, you know, look, I, I'll give any criticism uh, an honest look. But at the end of the day, I'm going to keep doing what I do. And what I do is me. What I do is L.A. night. And if you want to make me the Kobe to their Jordan, I'll take it. But at the end of the day, for me, it's rising above and beyond both of those guys and everybody else around
0: uh, I'm fired up. I cannot wait. Saturday night, you can catch it live on Peacock SummerSlam live from Detroit. L.A. Night, thank you so much for the time, and best of luck on Sunday. Yes, Friday, indeed. Friday. You all know
7: game it is. Yes, that's it. Yeah, come on. What are you doing? Yes, Saturday. Saturday. Is... That's
0: my bet. Hey, that's my bet. I apologize. We'll try Fire that again. Fire this guy. <laughs> best of luck to you on Saturday.
7: <laughs> yes, indeed. And forget, don't, don't forget whose game it is because you already know. L.A. Night. Yeah.
0: Just a quick conversation that we had got to have with La Knight as uh, you know they were they were preparing you know to to come to Milwaukee but I mean it's so great to be able to see him just organically build that's that's always my favorite thing in professional wrestling when the crowd gets behind it and no matter who's in charge no matter who's doing the writing they've got no other choice but to put that person out there and that's what's really happened with La Knight over the last eight to twelve months
4: and you almost got fired because.
0: Well, I mean, I, I got the, the date wrong, the paper, you know, of when he was coming. So, oh, I, you know, I just – and then he called for my firing. He's like, this guy doesn't even know when yeah, this thing fair. is. He should be fired. So, you know, Evan Cohen, who joined us last week. Had to, I mean, that's how powerful LA Knight is. You know, he had to seriously yeah. take that into consideration.
2: The only guest to do that all year. We had a lot of guests. You can check them out on the YouTube page. LA Knight, the only one to call for a firing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're wondering
4: about his 2024, too, by the way. When we talked to him the hottest name but here comes randy orton here comes Styles yep. back at the end of 2023 so i like to see exactly where la night's gonna be slotted as we get closer and closer to wrestlemania
0: we also had an opportunity i'm super jealous i missed out on this one uh because i happened to be out of town but they, they were doing a house show in milwaukee and cody rhodes was kind enough to sit down the american nightmare with gkw one of our biggest interviews we did all year
4: Glad that you could be with us here for Good Karma Wrestling along with Brian Rhodes from ESPN West Palm. I'm Jonathan Hood from ESPN 1000 Chicago. Thanks so much for being with us. WrestleMania, we cannot wait. SoFi Stadium, uh, you can be able to watch it on Peacock. It is Cody Rhodes against Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Heavyweight Championship for the WWE. Cody Rhodes joins us right here on Good Karma Wrestling. Cody, it's Brian and Jonathan. Thanks so much for your time.
9: Oh, thank you very much for, uh, for having me, you know, wrestling, uh, in this wrestling and sports entertainment space, good karma is not always the first thing you think of, you know? So you guys are, uh, blazing your own trail here, right? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this interview in a good mood here. You know, R- good karma spreading it around. I like I love it. it. <laughs> it's about time for professional wrestling to have a little good, right? Karma. Yeah. Just a little, a little, you know, it's. It's it's funny the nature of WrestleMania is is good karma in a sense where it's where your wrestling friends all get together. I feel like and and even when I was away, I remember you're not even away because there's some there's 85 independent shows. There's this. There's that. There's there's so many different events. There's WrestleCon. There's there's there's, there's a, a superstore. There's it's just the best time to map your week out, come together, and plus. Being in Hollywood, I mean, I know we're in Inglewood. I know it. But being in Hollywood and just being on the West Coast, West Coast mania, is, I'm sure you guys have some experience, West Coast mania. West Coast mania got a different vibe to it, you know. Sun's just going down. It's going to be a beautiful thing.
4: Cody, uh, here's something that no one's asked you all day today. How are you, your life, your work-life balance? Have you been able to breathe yet? How do you feel?
9: Um. I feel exceptional. The biggest thing um, for me is I haven't necessarily been able to breathe and I knew I would not be able to. So I have a a legal pad, like a yellow legal pad that just is a scratch of all my calendar. Yep. And I just try the best I can to get everything in. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) The the biggest thing is, uh, you know, it sits on my bus and I haven't really left my bus. Because we're, you know, we were in Syracuse Saturday and then Sunday trending, coming to TV here today. Um, in Boston today. Um, but I got to make sure it's great to do all these shows, you got to make sure you do everything to get yourself ready. And a big thing for me is I came into the Royal Rumble at 8.6 percent body fat, uh, tights barely even fit. Poor Sandra thought I was still big, you know, and uh, (laughs) and I I really want to maintain that. That's something like the whole. I really got into a great training program, a great regimen. I'm trying to maintain that while also doing these live events. I just want to show up at WrestleMania and that that kind of Rocky Three, Rocky Four, like the best shape you could possibly. Hell, Rocky Two, <laughs> the, the best shape you could possibly be in, uh, because it's very much uh, physically being in there with someone like Roman is a totally new experience. We haven't touched. Really ever, I, I don't count the stuff we did prior because he was a different guy, and I'm a different guy. So being prepared for him as someone who's always in great conditioning, that's the area where I've had to try and
2: make everything work and navigate, you know, just to get there and deliver the goods for fans. We hear you talk about it from undesirable to undeniable. To be in the main event of WrestleMania, what does that phrase mean to you when you look back on even the last decade of your wrestling career?
9: I think... Uh, selfishly, I think, you know, a question that a lot of people ask is, well, I wonder if people will follow him from perhaps AW. I wonder if they'll follow. And that's, I don't really, the way I kind of look at it is I don't think anyone can necessarily follow the path exactly because my story was so ridiculously all over the road, unique. And there was a point in it where it was absolutely out of the cards like out of the question that this could be a thing that was happening. I mean, I, at 20 something years old, I would have been so arrogant and so just bragger and bold. And all I keep thinking now is just, I am beyond lucky, beyond blessed. Yeah, we worked really hard. And I say we, because it was a great amount of people. And I shared my career with so many people, including a wonderful independent fan base that's followed me a fan base that's welcomed me back uh we worked so hard but also we're so lucky um to be here but truly anyone i think a lot about wrestlers when i say undesirable to undeniable because wrestlers get so down on themselves about there's no way i can come back from this there's no way if you are watching what's currently happening there's a way there's a it's it's called hard work but it's also a great amount of luck finding the right people uh and also, probably the biggest thing is being bold, knowing when to roll the dice, right? That more than anything, I was trying to explain that to Roman the other night on SmackDown. More than anything, that's what I do, man. When, when someone says, oh, this can't be done, we're going all in. Here's the full bet. Like, I just, I've been very lucky with my gambles, and hopefully, WrestleMania is the biggest payoff of all time.
4: Cody, um, you've been able to talk to people in the back in AEW and independence, and probably in the WWE. I mean is as, as a seasoned veteran who do you turn to for big moments like this big life moments like this who do you turn to for advice
9: oh i can't believe i'm going to give him credit but i am uh yeah so you, you guys do you guys have those friends that just don't know how to text message that they have to talk <laughs> on the phone or yes. you know, right so ddp is one of those who has to talk in person mm. and um he invited me over recently. And I remember it was such a pain to get there. You know, I got a baby, I'm barely home, such a pain to get here. But when I got there and sat down with him, I instantly realized how grateful and important he is to me because, you know, it's the same reason Arne and I were really close prior. I don't have Dusty, right? And, uh, you know, I have a DDP, I have an Arn Anderson, someone like a Ric Flair. These people were close and connected and experienced it. So Dallas is somebody that I've gone to to talk about things, not to say, here's what I think is going to happen, or what do you think is going to happen, or not to speculate on the moment, but more to just look at the moment and go, wow, this, this is, uh, let's enjoy the next 20-something days because this is absurd. And – he actually has opened up his studio to me to where I do all my media from the studio because I refuse to do it in the passenger seat of my car. Um, it's just, he's been very special to me. And uh, I don't like giving him credit, but it, he deserves all the credit in the world. He's very much was like a surrogate uncle, and he's definitely stepped into that role in a big way.
2: On the flip side of that, how proud does it make you, some of the guys and girls that you give to, the Ricky Starks of the world, the Julia Harts, the Matt Cardonas, Mm -hmm. these guys and girls creating their own path now in the world of pro wrestling, how proud does that make you?
9: Well, I'm very very proud of Julia because Julia came from the Nightmare Factory camps. So that's like the question that anybody's going to ask, hey, how's your school? Has anyone done anything? And we can name a few people who had experience already, but really she came from Camp 2, uh, did the thing with the varsity blondes, but she just took advantage of every opportunity she found. She was just hitting home runs and even maximizing her minutes and even small segments, big segments, whatever it might be. Just very proud. I keep an eye on her and Lee from a distance. Um, you give to them, and one thing I've learned as a coach and such, and even in my role as a, in management, give give without expecting anything back. Uh, There are people who I hired and my wife hired that don't even remember us anymore. And that's okay. It's a, you know, you give without um, giving, you know, expecting to get back. I don't want to, for one second, though, put over uh, Matt Cardona because Matt Cardona is, he has, he's, him and QT basically wrestle for my number one friend spot. But, QT is emotionally – and I'm not afraid to talk about this. QT is emotionally available there. He's there to talk about real things. Cardona is so into his world, and I feel like he – I don't know. He has blown me off on, like, three different park visits and stuff like that to the point where he's about to get dropped way down. Wow. Like, he might even get out of the the circle. Like, (laughs) blow Aaron Solo out of the circle um, just because – I'm really proud of him. He's out there. He's doing the Indie God thing with the Indiana Jones hats. Uh, is everything Matt's doing? Matt Matt has been the king of the Indies now. This is going on year two. You only usually get one run in that role, you know. Like he's going on year two. What Matt does next is going to be huge. If he goes to uh, AEW, that'd be cool. But if he comes back to WWE, that's what I want. Um, it would be off the charts. I think I think he's a huge get, a huge free agent. He's the best he's ever been. Uh, but he's really pissed me off. He's not – I have no good karma with Matt Cardona at the moment.
2: And, uh, we did Jay this Hill, we might need to help Cody out. We've had Matt on this show. We talked about Splash Mountain, so we might he need to help inter- you out a little bit.
9: We did this interview with uh, Bill After recently where he buried me, and I have this story about Matt, which I'm going to tell eventually about watching his first meeting with a certain member of management somewhere, how, how he tanked this meeting oh. right in front of me. And then one big line he hit in the meeting that I'll never forget. This is one of my real life friends. He said, I just want to make it clear. I'm never putting on a nightmare family jacket or associating myself with him on screen. What? (laughs) I got you the meeting. Why? Why did you just under the bus right away? So, And then he said some other things that I'll save for the story in a more long form setting. But I love Matt Cardona. I'm greatly irritated with him at the moment. The American
4: Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, will be taking on Roman Reigns again at WrestleMania. Watch it live on Peacock, two nights of great action from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Cody, what was the uh, reason why, maybe you've heard this over the years, why Dustin or why Dusty did not get a chance to be able to win the WWE Championship
9: at some point in their careers? One of the um, uh, coolest things happening, and I keep almost forgetting it, is... Sunday before WrestleMania, Superstar Sunday on a and is the Dusty Rhodes documentary is coming out. And as the executive producer on the documentary, one of my favorite parts of it is some of the luminary figures from the 70s and 80s, WWF and then the WWF. Tell us ultimately what would happen and what went down. And it's a story that when the father tells a son, you don't believe it because it sounds like a tall tale. To hear it repeated by the likes of a Hulk Hogan or Bruce Prichard. Uh, I'm very excited. I don't want to give it all away, but I'm very excited for fans to see how the documentary is approached in terms of his lasting impact. I mean, you're seeing his impact right in front of you at WrestleMania with the fabled Dusty's kids. All of them are in major matches. Uh, one of them is my opponent in the biggest match of the of the event. Um I think people will be really impressed with the things he did that they don't know about. And the things he did that they do know about are impressive enough, but very much looking forward to people seeing the documentary. As far as chicken's concerned, my brother, Dustin, I think, I think I had the benefit and luxury of, I came after dusty had moved on in the industry. I think Dustin probably had much harder of a battle. You know, I was almost a novelty being so much younger 16 years younger than Dustin. Dad was 39 when he had me. I think he just had to fight something that is probably insurmountable. Uh, Very proud of him. Like you said, Hall of Fame career. Still going. You know, it's one of those things where I know he said he doesn't feel like he has much time left, but I don't see him slowing down either. So I'm very curious where Dustin ends up. And uh, I think about Dustin very often heading into this just because he's the family I have, you know.
2: When you talk about obviously the impact Dusty had on your career, everyone knows about that. Who were some of the other wrestlers when you were coming up, turning into the pro wrestler you are today? That either their matches or even just real interactions with them, you say, okay, this is someone that turned me into who I am today.
9: I mean, are we talking like a peer level, or are we talking uh, someone? I, I think when well-
2: you were younger, like coming up, like obviously Dusty's there, but if you're going to yeah. go somewhere else, some of those guys.
9: Well, my guy was uh, my guy was Shawn Michaels, um, and and I say that because sean was a journey in a sense that from the rockers hey greg's here greg's coming in greg what are you doing greg get in here (laughs) hey greg all right so sean michaels uh he was one because sean the the rockers happened of course and then you know the 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 whole sexy boy persona him and sherry and then everything but then also going to a full wrestlemania where he didn't win the championship to then go to wrestlemania 12 where it takes an hour plus to win the championship he was someone I liked as a kid a great deal. He just captivated me. Him and Sting were my guys. They captivated me. But I loved it as I got into the business because you watched his journey. You watched his journey, and it gave you hope for, like I was talking about other wrestlers, when you think you're down, or you're just a tag team guy, or you're just a setup guy, you find yourself in this position if you do the work. Sean being one. Sting, of course, uh, my favorite, being a WCW kid. The Steiners, of course. And then uh, as I got a little bit more right before I busted in that teenage scene, Eddie Guerrero, uh, another one where what a long journey to get to the Cow Palace, to get to that moment that he had uh, with Brock Lesnar. And and that's one that I think about a lot lately, because, again, it's one that you wouldn't have seen coming. But then when you saw it, it made all the sense in the world.
4: I heard that there was a shake at the stick out west in uh, San Francisco. You hear any rumblings? Wait, what happened? <laughs> what happened? There's a, there's a big show that took place in San Francisco. I was wondering your thoughts
9: on it. I didn't uh, – I actually only uh, – I only saw some highlights from Ricky. Uh, I had a pirated feed, which I probably should have just figured out how to get a right feed. What? Uh, what? I'm not going to tell you, Simi, that uh, I thought Ricky did great. I was very proud of him. Uh, you know, Chris Jericho is an absolute legend. As He's more than a legend. He's Chris Jericho. And for Ricky to be able to to deal with that and handle that in the way he did, very proud of Ricky, very proud of Julia, of course, just seeing her. Proud of Malachi, actually, because he was somebody that I, I, I loved our interaction with. And then I wanted to see more of that Malachi, and it's been a minute. So to see him uh, deliver FTR guys, uh, I saw, and then all my other kids. I ain't going to name them because I ain't going to put them over, but all my other kids who – you know, one of them is out there in the main events, and it's—we don't have to be best friends or anything, but just very proud of uh, of their growth and their continued growth.
4: I know, yeah. and we knew that you were a fan, but my Brian—he's like us. A I know <laughs> How about that? his own private link. Coach. Well, it's way.
9: Listen, one of the benefits of working for WWE is like, oh, it's on Peacock. You go on Peacock, it's right there. Right, right. Anywhere else I've wrestled, whether it's New Japan, anywhere else, these interfaces are a disaster. They're a disaster, guys. And like, I love every like fight TV. I'm all right. I like fight TV. That Uh one at least they got some of the like. But come on, right? We're clearly you're tuning in in a streaming fashion today.
2: I'm not. We've talked about it a lot. With you mentioned New Japan, like I'm pretty sure we've signed up for the dojo somehow and trying to watch some of their shows. So here we are today. They,
9: I get. They take ten dollars from me like every week, and I don't remember what I signed up for. <laughs> so, but hey, whatever. It's if everyone's learning. We're growing as you know. WrestleMania is the biggest numbers-wise, metrics-wise that it's ever been. That just brings up the whole business, and I'm I'm beyond blessed that I get to be in that position.
2: We've seen it on social media. We've seen people get in trouble sometimes at house shows for the too sweet gesture. You at a house show yourself, the Good Brothers, and a fan dressed as your father. We shouldn't expect any backlash from that, right? You're going to be okay from that's too sweet. I think I'll be fine. I okay. also the uh
9: Mike the the dusty impersonator uh-huh. often yeah. sometimes can be it's wonderful and a blessing, <laughs> but often sometimes can be a little bit of a nuisance because <laughs> the crowd is like going nuts over him and I kept kind of like joking like ah, oh, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I'll see him out there and then of course I decide, you know what, come in the ring. Why not? Make a whole big deal out of it. So it ended up uh, he, a great guy who actually part of the Dusty Doc. I don't know if it will make the final doc, but he has a really unique story, not unlike my father's. So it's great to see, like, the fandom continue and people take the photos with them and stuff. I love it.
4: Let's play match game. Uh, I don't have the pencil mic like Gene Rayburn, but I can at least ask the question. Um, so, Cody, uh, Roman Reigns as a performer is blank.
9: Roman Reigns as a performer is elite. What makes him elite to you? I think as far as the big things that you need for this in terms of presentation, in terms of conditioning, in terms of poise, I almost want to go back and say Roman Reigns is a superstar. The term superstar is often... (laughs) uniquely used because it's how WWE wrestlers are described and i do understand but roman's the one that makes it clear what the distinction is roman's the one that makes it clear oh he yeah he is a wrestler sure a really great wrestler but he's also on jimmy fallon he's also able to do all these things that he's able to do in a way that represents an entire brand that is a a, a multi-billion dollar worldwide industry he can't just be a wrestler uh and he's the one that makes the distinction for me as what an actual superstar is. When you see him come out and you see how kids look at him and the, the, the bloodline gauntlet and the respect they have for him, uh, that that's really him more than anybody else.
4: Cody, as always, we appreciate your time. Again, WrestleMania will take place uh, on Peacock. Again, a two-night event, SoFi Stadium. Again, the main event, Cody Rhodes against Roman Reigns for the Undisputed WWE Championship. As always, good luck to you. We're
9: road stands, so we're right behind you, Cody. Let's get this done. Thank you. I just got yelled at on my phone while we were talking by somebody who told me I needed to be by ringside. So I I hope they know I'm doing this. I'm doing this media, and I'm doing it with Good Karma Wrestling, so they can wait. There you go. Thank you, gentlemen, very much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: I love how, no matter what, Cody's going to be open and honest about everything, and – You know, the fear, I think, when he went to WWE was, well, he's done all these things outside of WWE. Are they just going to sweep that under the rug? Because that's typically what's happened when somebody goes back to WWE or somebody comes to WWE from a different place. But I think we saw with the American Nightmare documentary that they did, with the way that he talked, very open and honest about AEW and what it is. Like, that's a part of who Cody Rhodes is. And that's a part of his history. And he's always going to carry that with him, whether or not he's a WWE superstar or not.
4: Of course, that was the day that uh, I was almost fired by Gabe as uh, <laughs> it popped up on our screen. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Cody Rhodes. And I start promoting WrestleMania forgot about the Milwaukee show. So that's the day I almost got. Shocking.
0: Fired. Shocking. The Chicago guy, the towner forgets about Milwaukee. Unbelievable.
2: I still think the remarkable part about that is that, like, Cody almost had to be dragged out. Like, we did 20 minutes. We could have done another hour with him. He's like, oh, it was a Monday. He's like, I got to go out some raw stuff. That was the night him and Cena had their first interaction on TV. I think they were in like Boston that night so Cena came out and instead of like going through stuff and talking with Cena he's hanging out with us. So I think that just speaks to Cody and his illegal streaming of pay Yeah, you yeah, you think about that? <laughs> that was definitely- that was the key and that's what really got
4: us some press. The idea that Cody Rhodes openly is talking about AEW, uh, talking about what's happening. And, like, the PR guy is like, yeah, you got to go at some point. And he was leisurely. It wasn't one of these five- or six-minute interviews. He was just hanging out, like, I don't know, Raw's in two hours. He's still talking to GKW. So it was so great that he was on our show this year. It was great.
3: Well,
0: and so many other great interviews that we did not put in this episode, but you can make sure you check them out on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash at You know, we had Devon Dudley, which was such a fun one. We had Jeff Jarrett, who I think also maybe called for my firing, but we took it a little less seriously. So I, I guess right. I upset a lot of our guests throughout the course of the but year. But
2: he won us over. I think one of the guests that definitely won us over the most this year. A
0: hundred percent, yes, because I have been hand-in-the-air anti-JJ, and he was fantastic. Um, another one who like dealt with some technical difficulties and just continued to fight through us and talk to us for like 20 minutes to a half hour— so, again, we, we were very fortunate with a lot of the guests. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you missed any of my other guests, check them out on YouTube. Happy New Year, everybody. GKW will be back in 2024.